0: Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Kansen. sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Consen is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Jennifer
1: Kansen with The Art of Intimate Marriage. Recently, we've been talking about some of the communication challenges that come up for couples on how to speak in a way that your spouse can really hear you and validate and understand you and how to listen in a way that makes your spouse feel heard and valued and important. So if you want to listen to those, those are more about, say, conflict resolution and how to build a great emotional and verbal connection. Those you can listen to on my website, theartofintimatemarriage.com, and we have a ton of other recordings there if you're new to this broadcast. Today, we're going to be talking about something that comes up quite a bit with individuals that I work with, and that is how do we become, how do we develop our sexual practices, beliefs, feelings. How do we get there? When someone usually is coming to see me, they are either in their late teen years or in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s and 70s. And they have a lot of different feelings about sexuality and beliefs and experiences. And one of the pieces I go ahead and explore with those who I work with is What are the different things that influence the development of how you view yourself as a sexual person and how you view sexuality? Now, there are previous broadcasts on how family environment and all the different impacts of family environment. We're going to tap onto that just very briefly today, but mostly we're just going to talk about the development of sexuality both in how it impacts the male, the female, how it impacts sexual orientation, we'll tap on that some. So let's begin just looking at where sexuality begins, because actually it begins very early on. It begins while you are still in the womb. So that would be obviously the biology of sexuality. It begins at conception during that stage. So this would be what you would call the prenatal stage. You do have sperm and an egg, right? And the sperm is going to add either the X or the Y to the mix. The female is going to add one of the X's or both of the X's or it's going to match with the X of the male of the sperm and become an XY or an XX. However, even in how these Different parts come together. So this would be the sperm and the ovum. Sometimes it doesn't come out so clearly. Sometimes even prenatally sexuality isn't so simple. It doesn't always turn out to be XX or XY. XY being male, XX being female in the chromosomes. Because there are some chromosomal differences that can happen where a child can be XXY or XYY or only one X. And so when that happens, sometimes you will find children that are born with a mixture of genitals from both testes and ovaries or both vagina and a penis. And... This has been problematic throughout history in that when do you begin deciding how this child should be raised? Should they be should they be physically altered? There have been surgeries that are done with infants when they're born. Sometimes surgeries occur later to decide and then the decisions of the parents are going to raise this child as a male or a female. Those are more rare, these hormonal differences or these chromosomal differences. However, if that is your story or if you know someone with that story, so sexuality doesn't just begin when someone is going through puberty. Actually, the development of sexuality begins prenatally when the ovum and the sperm connect and decide what parts to add to the mix. So why is that important? Because we tend to think that sexuality is only something that begins when someone goes, starts to actually have sexual feelings or sexual sensations. They have found that even in the womb, sometimes they do have sonograms where they'll picture the fetus, they'll see the fetus touching their genitals. And so touch to the genitals can begin even in the womb. Now, definitely, once a child is born, the sexuality is going to be quite obvious because at birth, the hormones are quite high for many children when they're born. And so the labia or the penis will be, or the scrotum, yeah, the scrotum principally or the labia can be quite enlarged at birth. And this has to do with hormones flowing through the body at birth. So sexuality, again, on the on the physical end is happening super early on as far as the development physically, sexually. And also at those early stages, especially of course, if they were if there was any kind of touch to the genitals in the womb, touch to the genitals can happen. Children at that age often are not able to purposefully direct their hands because that's still developing but they might find their genitals and find touch to the genitals over time especially as the baby develops coming into you know the first several months of life outside the womb and the hands are discovered genital touch might be something that a baby involves gets involved in just for soothing. And that is not uncommon as well. I'll have families and parents call me and asking about, you know, from an early age, my child was touching themselves. Is this something we should be concerned with? And that kind of touch is usually more about comfort and soothing at those early stages. And of course, parents' response to that kind of circumstances vital because parents can be very reactive to self-touch due to either religious beliefs or to their own feelings about sexuality or their own shame or their own worry. Perhaps they're a parent with high anxiety and they're very anxious about their child's development, and so they're worried about the different behaviors they'll see. in a very young child at times, you will have infants as they're beginning to move around more, girls and boys, where they'll rub themselves up against, say, the slats of their crib or bedposts or against pillows. So then as they're maturing into toddlerhood, there might be a bit more self-touch happening. Again, that's not necessarily the most common kind of interaction that's happening, but it happens regularly where children are touching themselves um, and finding, again, a certain amount of soothing. I do work with individuals who remember touching themselves, you know, at two, three, four years old, especially three and four years old, where they still have memories. I'm working with adults who have memories of regularly caressing themselves, touching themselves to some form of soothing or pleasure at a very early age. And that, again, can be like honestly holding a blanket, having a stuffed animal, some kind of comfort is gained from that. And then also you'll have individuals that share that they begin having sexual interactions at that time. That would be more along the lines, of course, where they're touched by another and abused at those early ages. And the memories are begin and become more clear around three and four years old. Typically from an infant to up into toddlerhood, the development is physically not drastic. The labia, the clitoral growth, the penile growth, the scrotum are pretty minimal, growing along the same pace that the body is growing. And then as children reach preschool, you're going to start having, and you know, so toddlerhood, preschool, so three, four years old again, you're going to have exploratory behaviors that are super common. So again, this is the development of sexuality. And so the curiosity of their body at three and four can be quite a bit higher, even if they didn't touch themselves when they were younger, they begin to realize there's something between my legs and I can stick my fingers up in there and I can touch that and it happens has different responses and isn't this interesting? So curiosity is very high during the infant and preschool years. And so they will, there's a lot of mutual touch often if the development of touch is more along the normative And, for instance, if children aren't interested in touch, they might not involve themselves in the type of mutual touch that happens at that age. And so that would be like wrestling or hugging and kissing one another during those years. Very common touch between both same-sex and opposite-sex young children. And definitely that curiosity about their bodies increases. And then they're also become very curious about other people's bodies. And the parental response during that time is vital because if parents have either a shaming response or an ignoring response where they don't talk about body parts, what I usually recommend with families is talk with your children when they're three, four years old, and show them the difference between boys and girls and what you call those parts and, you know, help their curiosity have some direction. The best place for them to learn it is from their parent. And so when you were those ages, there might have been some openly curious exploration, not only of your own body, but also it's very common that curiosity is about other people's bodies. And so it can be about their parents their siblings they're checking out each other's bodies in the bathtub or why they are fascinated often with children are with watching um, someone go to the bathroom peeing and pooping in the preschool year so let's say they go to preschool you know they're commonly wanting to peek in and watch and see how it happens they're male and female and wondering why is that one standing and I'm sitting or how come I'm standing and she's sitting and so the question about how the body works. And then they become aware if there is any difference in their, in their genitals compared to other children of the same sex, they might become aware of that. And it, you know, they become aware of the difference between boys and girls, and maybe between the difference between them and other boys or the difference between them and other girls. And so, you know, definitely during that time, Children can experience different levels of either verbal or physical or sexual abuse, or they can be exposed to exploitive or dehumanizing sexuality. And so parents um, often will have um, a a huge concern, a, a worry, an understandable worry about how do I keep my child safe? It. Um, how often does that happen? Um, usually that those numbers raise as people get older and are able to verbalize more about what has happened to them. It is high for women, some kind of um, abusive or violating touch through the developmental years. Um, and then, of course, there's a, a good percentage of men who have also experienced violating touches during those years, and um, it tends to be unreported. And it's not as common to open up the conversations with boys because the focus definitely in those years is more towards girls as far as any kind of violation. So the other thing that happens during these years of preschool is the development of expectations of gender. And actually, that can occur super early on. Obviously, children are being clothed from birth, even Uh, pre-birth. The clothes are chosen to... Um, Emphasize femininity or masculinity um, at birth, you know, super cute outfits for the little girl and super masculinish looking outfits for the little boy. So gender starts very early on. Um, But the awareness of gender picks up quite a bit during the preschool years. And so that's that's vital to know that um, when parents tend to push rigid expectations of gender, like boys do this and girls do this, boys play with Trucks and guns and girls play with, you know, dolls and, and dress up clothes. And if you've got a boy or a girl who are in the boy who's interested in sparkly things and a girl who's interested in trucks, sometimes parents can have rigid expectations and, um, you know, have shaming responses around the development of gender during those years on, you know, effeminate gestures by young boys or overly tough attitudes by young girls. And so parent response to the development of gender um, is vital to the process, again, of the development of gender during these years. And so as you may be looking back at your own development and remember some different things that you felt during those years. Okay, we're going to actually go into the school age years and the adolescent years and then into sexual orientation development. But before we do that, let me just explain what you're listening to and where you can receive other supports and resources. This is a, a recorded program. You can go back and listen to all the previous broadcasts at my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage. And so... On there, you're going to find a blog, you're going to find all the previous recordings, you're going to find our book, Redeemed Sexuality. We are covering some of the material in Redeemed Sexuality today. If you're looking for married resources, on there you'll find a link for the Art of Intimate Marriage and for our cards, the Intimate Marriage cards that... Actually have some questions in there where you can talk about your background and the development of your sexuality, but it also includes all kinds of cards on your relationship and your own touch and affection, as well as your sexual relationship. So those are the intimate marriage cards. And if you have questions, you can send them to me at my website. I do get questions sent straight to my email, and I address those things on our show here. And that is JenniferKonzen at yahoo.com. So my name. And this is a listener supported ministry. So on my website is a link that you can send your support to us if you feel like this has been helpful to you and you would like it to continue or expand in where it's provided. So let's get back to development of the sexual self after the preschool years, so this is the three, four-year-old years where the <clears throat> curiosity about the body and the different body parts, where the development of gender is beginning, of course, that continues strongly, the development of gender through the years, the The view of oneself as a boy or a girl, or maybe I don't feel like I'm a typical boy or girl. So that can begin definitely in preschool, but strongly during school age where children become much more aware of what's common and typical with other kids. So the school age would be predominantly, uh, this is before adolescence, like seven to 12, although there are individuals who, especially young girls, who are going through puberty at nine, ten, And so what I'm going to discuss right now, the puberty might begin earlier for some of those. But basically, the interest in sexuality during the school age years will often disappear. And it's important for people to know that it often goes underground. And that might have been you as a child where... Your curiosity was still there, but now you're becoming more socially aware, so you don't talk about it as much. And so parents tend to think their child is innocent and not thinking things or wondering things, and that's usually very incorrect. And we tell parents, by the time your child hits their first grade, they need A clear talk around sexuality and how babies are made because they're already hearing about it in their schools from their friends, older siblings, and so on. So at that age, children do tend more towards uh, gendered play. In other words, boys and boys touching one another, girls and girls touching one another. It does start to cross over more during those years where you'll have opposite gendered sexual touch and sexual play during those years. And yet it's hidden because, of course, children are more socially aware during those years, unless, of course, there's a a difference in IQ and the uh, social awareness. And so children that might have anything on the autism spectrum or anything on the spectrum of lower IQ, they may have a lower ability to understand that affects their exploration of sexuality or their understanding of what's socially appropriate and so on. So social play outwardly anyway, declines. But all of the interests and questions and experiences are still happening. And definitely by, say, kindergarten, young girls are already hearing the word sexy. They uh, continue that term through the school years and into the prepubescent and And through puberty, the understanding of the word sexy, but they're hearing it super early. And actually, during those years, their awareness of body shape and body type becomes very strong. You'll have young boys who are aware of the jiggly parts of their body, the extra flesh on their body. And so that being attractive or not attractive. So attractiveness becomes... Uh, awareness of attractiveness or what they feel like is a lack of attractiveness and how their body and how their weight plays into that, that picks up strongly through the school age years. And then, of course, you have a much higher exposure to media during those years where children, especially as they approach middle school, are exposed by electronics and by the Internet to sexually explicit material and to views on what is typical male and female and to how the body um, should be used sexually. Now, definitely during the pre-adolescent years, so this would be like nine to 12, Then you have a lot more awareness of sexuality because of online exposure. Again, the word sexy and stud being used and their jokes becoming sexual by those ages. And then body image concerns boy, they increase dramatically during those years. You may remember that yourself. And of course, if you've got hormones going on, then the um, exposure to hormones and how that comes out in acne and the skin and all of that. Now, definitely because hormones start to begin to start surging before puberty even full-blown takes over the curiosity and the, well, because the hormones, including testosterone peak, then the curiosity and the exploration will definitely continue. But again, it's often hidden. But young boys, as they're approaching puberty, are doing a lot more exploring of their penis and their scrotum during those times. And it's also not uncommon for girls to increase in their level of self-touch during those years. And, And parents are thinking, well, my child's, you know, no, my child doesn't do that. And yet, of course, they're, still hiding, even though during those years, they're trying to also be more independent. So that drive for independence is super strong during those years. So this, again, has to do with sexuality is that touch can change quite a bit during those years, they become less affectionate, often, sometimes more affectionate, but there's kind of an embarrassment about if they're seen with their caregiver, especially hugging their caregiver. I have many funny stories of that with my kids of, oh, my goodness, mom, don't even come close to me in sixth grade. So you want to be aware that the 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 body changes and, and the way that they interact with their body radically changes, the way they start paying attention to hair and body smell and where the hair is coming out on their body. So the sexual differences during puberty are quite strong, obviously, and they start ex- exploring that and wondering about that. Uh, during the the pre-adolescent years. Now, during adolescence, that's when you have, of course, the very strong hormone surges and the breasts develop and the testicles will drop and the penis might elongate to some extent. So those hormonal shifts also can lead to menstruation or to a lack of all of these developments. So if you've got somebody that's developing later like it, 15 16 17 rather than 12 13 14 and they're aware and they're comparing themselves they haven't uh, they haven't grown in their height their breasts haven't developed they're noticing that their penis is smaller than other boys penises and so you know those hormone surges and estrogen surges in girls you know if that's not yet happening for a child that can bring about a lot of feelings and emotions And also, if someone's developing earlier than others, if their breasts are developing earlier, that can be challenging. So it's just important to realize as you're working, as you're thinking through your working through your own development, that a lot can happen during those years. How parents respond, how other people say things like, oh, wow, you're developing early or, you know, man, you don't have you're not you don't have any muscles or negative and positive what people think are positive comments about the body during those years will absolutely Absolutely affect the development of sexuality, where young boys will um, begin to explore their sexuality individually, but not ever explore it outwardly because of insecurity about their bodies, and young girls will m- might use their early developing bodies to um, you know, they might, they might notice that they get more attention. And so then the attention to the body might make them feel better about themselves or the opposite, where the attention to their body, especially if there's been any violation might cause them to cover up themselves. So the development of sexual feelings and sexual sensations increases dramatically during the adolescent years. And so definitely because of the hormone increases, During those years and the high level of anxiety around sexuality that begins, one of the things that comes up is that these areas of development become very charged with emotion. So that might be how to choose a bra, whether to date, what kind of deodorant to use, what kind of shampoos, what kind of hairstyle, what kind of clothing. And all of that is very entwined with both the social development and the the emotional and mental development and the sexual development. And so definitely during those years... As they come into adolescence and their body is fully developing and they actually are having uh, the penis will start expelling sometimes in the middle of the night, that's actually during prepubescence, but definitely masturbation to orgasm occurs much more strongly once testosterone is flowing in the body and once women are young girls are developing. And so self-touch increases all the way to masturbation during these years. What also increases dramatically during these years is sexual risk-taking. Now, again, this is all affected by religious beliefs, family environment, shaming. Like there might be young teenagers that are noticing their sexual sensations, but because the communication is zero at home and zero at church, they feel a lot of shame about the sexual feelings they're having. And so it goes not only underground, but it gets completely stopped. They cut off all awareness to that sensation because of their guilt. So the lack of talking openly in families and in churches have a huge impact on these developmental years. Open talking is so needed. Now, yes, as far as sexual development, you will also see an increase in sexual risk taking during these years where... This is, of course, much greater if there's any use of substances, alcohol, and drugs going on. So engaging in pornography increases dramatically during these years, especially the use of pornography along with masturbation and touch. And so the sexual arousal system starts building here where the brain is starting to say, oh, this is what arouses me and starts to create paths from what we can tell in brain research of these are certain things I need to create arousal that starts early on if there is a lot of pornography happening during those years. It does route the brain in certain directions. And then, of course, you have a strong societal expectation of what boys are going to do and what girls are going to do during these years. So that's where we're going to end today is just the development of sexuality through those years. In another broadcast, we'll hit how that development continues and how that influences the development of same-sex attraction and sexual orientation for some individuals. So this is Dr. Jennifer Conson with The Art of Intimate Marriage.
0: Thank you for joining us for the Art of Intimate Marriage. Now let's be real, this is not a typical radio program and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Konzin to address here on air, email her at Jenniferkanzen at yahoo.com. Kanzen is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N. Jenniferkonzin at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you and if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Consen's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.